How did this tradition get started? I'll tell you. I don't know. But it's a tradition. And because of our traditions, every one of us knows who he is and what God expects him to do. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Let's Talk Torah. I am Rabbi C. Jacobson with NRM Streamcast, and we'll spend our time talking Torah, learning stuff, and having fun while we learn. You can always send your questions and comments to our mailbag at Let's Talk Torah at gmail.com. That's Let's Talk Torah at gmail.com, and I will do my best to answer all your questions. Um, you can call us, 844 999 9249. That's 844-999-9249. Um, you know, I didn't really want to talk about it, so you say, so don't. But if I don't talk about it, then they ask why I didn't talk about it. So unfortunately, we all know about George Floyd. We all know about the crazy riots going on all over the place. And, um, and there's curfews, and there's, I'm not sure if there's social distancing by riots or not, so getting a little confusing. Um, but I, I just wanted to throw in my two cents. Somebody mentioned this to me, and it, it was really a very, very good thought. And I think we have to think about it. Obviously, what happened to George Floyd um, was unconscionable, and that's such a good big word. There's probably no better word than that word. And those who have to be punished must be punished. And I believe in peaceful protests. I think it's a very good thing. There's definitely a benefit in doing such a thing. However, and this is almost like the second time in a month that this has taken place. You had the protests in Lansing. Here I am in Michigan. They were unhappy that the governor had shut down the state. So they go to the Capitol with guns. So what did all the papers and news talk about? You brought guns to the Capitol. It missed the whole point. So everything they were trying to accomplish by protesting, they have a right to have a peaceful protest. You're allowed. It's part of our Constitution. You're allowed to do it. There's nothing wrong. But as soon as you do something stupid and you bring your guns with you, all everybody talks about is all the crazy guys who brought guns. So your whole protest is worthless. You wasted everybody's time. And the same thing here across the country. As long as protests are peaceful, right, they, they will, if you allow them to, they, there's enough people that are upset, it will just build. It'll become a tidal wave. Every, you want to stop people working. You want to, I don't care if you're even blocking traffic. More and more people will come out and it will force the hand of government to get things right. Very, very, very good idea. But as soon as you start looting... As soon as, what are all the pics I'm seeing uh, on LinkedIn, on social media? What do you think is out there? Oh, guys running in and out of Target with shopping carts full of stuff. So now everybody says, eh, you're not, you're not protesting because you care. You're protesting because you got a good excuse to go loot, destroy, damage. You, you just ruined everything you were trying to accomplish. You, you, you're not going to win by, I mean, people think they will. They think, oh, now they're listening to us. It's not the way to do it. If all you do, Martin Luther King understood this. If all you do is a, is a, is a peaceful protest, right, more and more people get involved, 
look, everything is voting. You vote with your feet, right? So the more there's peaceful protest, so the politicians, at the end of the day, right, every politician just wants one thing. He wants to be reelected. And if there's a big enough, large enough crowds over and over and over again, they have no choice, right? Otherwise, otherwise they're not going to listen to you. You vote them out of office. It's done. Till we find the guys who can get it, or ladies, by the way, who can get it done right. It's very, very simple. But once you make it violent and damaging and stealing and burning and destroying property, so that's all everybody talks about. So your cause gets pushed to the side, and, and we lose out on what the focus is supposed to be. Actually, um, there's a good example of this in the Torah. Not that that was going to be my topic, but once we're talking, talking Torah, let's, let's get the example. Okay, you all have three seconds while I'm talking to think of what my example is. Three, two, one. Okay, those who got it right, very good. Those who didn't get it right, you should read your Bible more. The Tower of Babel, right? The, 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 what was called the Durha Flugga. So they were building this humongous tower. And again, their purposes weren't good. They wanted to build a tower to fight God, protect themselves from another flood, to support the sky we talked about, to wage war with God, whatever their, make a rocket ship, whatever their thought process was when they were building this tower. Um, But they did have a purpose, and it was a focused purpose. And the purpose really was to save lives. Our focus is we're building this tower to save lives, whether we got to put some... uh, Pillars to support the sky, whether we, we got to have a place high enough the flood can't reach us, whether we're going to go fight God. But whatever they were going to do, they had a very, very focused, simple idea. We want to save lives. What happened? The tower is getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And who knows how many thousands of people are schlepping bricks up, 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 higher and higher to, to get this tower built. So the Medrash says what happened was it got to a certain point, and it was pretty high. It took people a long time to get to the top. There were probably restaurants and food services all the way along because it was taking weeks and months and who knows how long to get these bricks up. It could happen, right? The way they built in those days probably didn't have, um, what's the name of that, safety, OSHA, OSHA, I think. Right? Safety in the workplace, they probably didn't have that. So it could happen, a person would fall off. You're falling off, you're dying. But the people's reaction was, oh, did you hear that uh, that uh, Seymour fell off the tower? And the first question came back, what happened to Seymour's brick? Oh, Seymour's brick is, 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 didn't fall off. Oh, thank God. They probably didn't say thank God. Oh, I'm so happy. At least we didn't lose the brick. Right? That means that they lost their focus. The focus was to save people's lives. And in the end, the focus became the tower. And once that started happening, so God put a, an end to it. He spread them out all over the world, and he collapsed part of the tower, and he sunk part of the, part of the tower. But he let it go a long time because there was a singular focus to help people survive. That, it seems, God was going to let go. But once they stopped caring about people and you started caring about the bricks, okay, so your whole purpose is of no value. Now we're destroying it. Or God says, I'm destroying it. So again, right, when, the, when we have the correct focus, everything is beautiful. 
you have a focused, peaceful protest, um, police brutality, whatever you want it to be, you have a singular focus, no problem. Then everyone will get the message. But when you don't have a singular focus, right, when all of a sudden the focus of, of uh, protesting what happened to George Floyd gets pushed to the side, and now you start looting and rioting and damaging and killing, there's people getting killed, right? So, so you lost your focus. So now no one even cares. I don't want to say no one. The people protesting say they care, but most of the protesters seem not to care because they lost their focus, and that's tragic. And again, there are those good stories. You have some of those sheriffs and the police officers that are joining with the protesters because when it's peaceful, so they also understand what's going on, and they want things to be fixed, and they, and they want things to be correct and done right. But you got to make sure the focus is there. Okay. So much for my rant and rave about uh, protests and riots. Um, let's get into this week's story portion. So we last time we talked about uh, in our in our in our last uh, segment, if you like to call it, we talked uh, part one of the Torah portion. Really, two parts in it. Um, now I want to focus on something called the Nazir, the Nazarite. A Nazarite generally is a person who takes a vow that he will be a Nazir or a Nazarite, and that brings with it. Basically, three rules. No wine, or even intoxicating beverages, but no wine or grape juice or grape products. Um, no haircuts. And he cannot go to be, to a cemetery. He cannot touch a dead body. It will make him impure. As the, the focus of the Nazir is that he is going to separate himself from society He's going to become more holy. Now, for the most part, it was for 30 days. It was never meant to be forever, for long periods of time, and we'll try to discuss as many reasons as possible why that is. Um, interesting enough, um, there are three people in history that were actually a Nazir from when they were born. And for most of them, it didn't work out well. One was King David's son, Absalom, or Absalom, right? He, rebe- he rebelled. Um, to go over the kingdom and eventually gets killed. Um, the second one was, was um, why am I not remembering? Well, okay, Shimshain. We'll talk about Shimshain. All right, now I remember. There's Samson, which I would like to talk about today. And his ending didn't work out too well either. And the third one is Samuel. Samuel's a prophet. Um, all three of them were born... And at, when they were born, it was already decreed whether God told the parents or the parents did it, how that's possible. It's a discussion for another day. And they are what's called a Nazir for life, and they have the same rules with some, uh, with some caveats. So, and I would like to talk about Samson as, the, as our show goes on, because there's like a lot of good stuff that we need to learn about Samson and who he was and what he was, what his plans were, and it will help us understand riots a little bit. Okay. So the question is, is it good for a person to make himself a Nazir? The Torah allows it. The Torah tells us what to do and rules and regulations. Is it a good thing? Well, how do you decide if it's a good thing? Very simple. Let's see what the Torah says about this Nazir, this Nazarite. When he's finished with his 30-day period, he has to bring three sacrifices. One of those sacrifices... Is well, one of them is a is a completely burnt an ola. One of them is like a present, it's a shlamim, and one is a sin offering, known as a chatos. It is a sin offering. Now, 
if he didn't do anything wrong, and the Talmud asked this question, by the way, if he didn't do anything wrong, why is he bringing a sin offering? And there's not so many good answers. As if you believe that what the Nazar did was good, then why sin offering? If you believe what he did was no good, now I can understand, except I need to understand what's no good. So there's different answers what's no good. Some say very interesting that what's no good is you got yourself to a level of more spirituality, you are more special, um, you're making yourself closer to God, so why are you stopping? Like, what's to stop? You're getting closer to God, you're becoming holier, more spiritual, so stay that way. What's the big deal? So that, that by itself becomes a sin. Why are you stopping the good things you were doing? Um, on the other side of the coin is, is God really wants us to enjoy this world. God wants us to take from this world, to learn from this world, to enjoy this world, to use this world to serve him. When I'm becoming a Nazir, no wine, which means I'm not going to party too much, right? And I'm not going to get drunk and do things that I shouldn't be doing. Um, I'm not going to get a haircut, so I'm going to be a slob. So who anyway is going to want to hang out with me? And I'm not going to go help bury people. Well, you know, somebody dies, unfortunately. There's been a lot of that during corona. And um, people get together. Families get together. You find out who your friends are. When I've experienced it, I'll say unfortunately, but we all experience it because if we don't experience being a mourner, that means we're dying before our parents. That's for sure no good. But, But we all, most of us, will one time in our life be mourners it's nice to know who your friends are it's nice to know who's coming to the funeral um for the parent or spouse it's it's a good feeling it's comforting it's when you're in your house and they come to visit they want to spend the time it's not the most fun going to somebody's house who's sad and maybe crying right that's not fun a baseball game is fun but it's it's appreciated right it's it's there's good warm feelings and do you remember everybody who shows up probably not but some people remember. And, and there's that good, warm, fuzzy feeling. Well, this guy, the Nazar, ain't going. Right? He's really separating himself from people. So that's not good. Now, by doing that, by separating himself from people, he now has the ability to, um, to, to when he comes back to society, he understands, I don't have to drink so much wine. I don't have to always hang out with people. Right? There's a lot of lessons that we want the Nazir to take with him. For 30 days, you were all in. But once, once I was all in, once I got the picture, once I understand what it means to serve God on a higher plateau, I can bring that back with me for my everyday life. In other words, we're in this world. We're supposed to benefit from this world. We're supposed to enjoy this world. Yeah, it's nice to have a piece of cheesecake. Not too many to you know, have something you enjoy, cake, go somewhere, do things, be with family. You're, you're allowed to enjoy this world. Just make sure that you understand I'm, I'm enjoying this world, but God gave me this world to enjoy. Enjoy it properly. You want that apple? Make a proper blessing. No big deal. So God wants you, God wants you to enjoy the apple or the orange or the piece of cake or that uh, sandwich or that hamburger. Just make a nice blessing. So now you're enjoying the food, and you thank God. So now, as we say, you got the best of both worlds, pun intended. Right? This world, next world, in case you didn't get the pun. So all that is good stuff. 
Um, so that's basically the concept of Nazir. So I wanted to take the time, my little bit of time, and and talk about the most famous um, Nazirite or Nazir um, for us in the Torah is Samson. So let's draw the picture of who Samson is and what he was. Like if you just read the verses, you, you do miss the, the point of the story. Samson is a judge. That means he's a leader of the Jewish people and he's very holy. He's not a gangster. He is not a rioter that is just smashing windows and stealing. He is a holy Jew. He has a special purpose. And in his time frame, um, it had to be done the way it was done. In other words, you look through judges, the judges are, are most of them are making armies to, to defeat whichever Canaanite nations or, or Midiani or Moabite nations, whichever nations were bothering or taking over the Jewish people and even the Philistines a bunch of times. They were able to create armies. Samson could not create armies. The Jewish people did not deserve that they should have a leader with an army. They deserved to be protected in this very funny story with Samson. What's the story? So let's try to get through the story quickly because I see, as always, time is short. Okay, so Samson's parents had no children. An angel comes to Samson's mother and says, um, you're going to have a child. And um, But he's going to be born. When he's born, he will have the rules of the Nazir. So make sure even when you're pregnant with him, talking to the mother, no wine, no cemeteries, no dead bodies. Um, she tells her husband. The husband says, uh, you know, let me speak to this man who gave you the message. And the angel comes back. They didn't realize it was an angel. They thought at first it was just a regular, like, prophet. And he repeats over the message. And... Again, the, the husband's name is Manoach. The father's name is Manoach. He doesn't understand exactly what's going on. He says, maybe you could, you know, bring a sacrifice to God, right? Let's bring a sacrifice here. And the angel says, and again, they don't realize it's an angel, which is pretty amazing. They say, he says, you know, if you bring a sacrifice, you know, I'm not going to eat it, but I'll bring it up to God. So they make the sacrifice, put it on the, they slaughter it, and they put it on the altar, and the and this angel touches it, and everything explodes in fire. And the angel is gone, the sacrifice is gone, and Manoah thinks that we're going to die. We saw an angel, and his wife said, that's silly. If we were going to die, like, why give us the whole message? Fine. So, sure enough, a year later, Samson is born. Um, interesting enough, Samson, obviously, we know, is big and strong. The Talmud says his legs did not work properly. He was lame. He may have been very broad, and maybe he was strong, but he was lame. And however Samson understood um, he was going to have to work almost like guerrilla warfare. As the Jewish people didn't deserve the, to get the Philistines out of their country with an army. That will happen by Saul later. They, they didn't deserve it. All Samson will be able to do is to protect the Jewish people that the Philistines will leave them alone. But you got to do it almost like guerrilla warfare. So, for example, he sees, he sees a Philistine girl. Tells his parents, I want to marry that girl. <laughs> parents want their son to marry a nice Jewish girl. Come on, everybody wants their child to, their son to marry a nice Jewish girl. But Samson tells his mother, I want to marry that girl. Now the verse says it was a plan from God. Right? So even though Samson is doing things that are uh, uh, not legal, not not appropriate, 
but God wanted them done. So it becomes appropriate. Well, without getting into the details, how could it be appropriate? If it's not appropriate, that's a long, long conversation, not for today. Marries her, gets together with a bunch of buddies, and they're in a bar, and uh, whatever they, they're doing over there, they, um, they say, hey, you know, let's, uh, let's have a riddle. Who wants to say a riddle? And whoever, um, if, if you can't answer it, you pay the guy who makes the riddle. If you could answer it, um, then, uh, then you win the prize. Now, happened to be on the way traveling. Samson's parents went through a vineyard. He went around the vineyard. And he saw this uh, lion that had been um, that had died. When he came back, he saw bees and honey like coming out of the lion's mouth. They made a beehive in the lion's mouth. Okay, Sam says, "Okay, there's thirty of you guys here, so I got a riddle. If you can't answer the riddle in one week, then you're gonna pay me 30, 30 sets of clothing. If you could answer it, I owe you thirty pieces of clothing." So he said, "I even wrote down the riddle. So here it is." Where did I write down that riddle? Ah, from the eater comes food, right? The lion eats, comes food, the honey. From the strong comes sweetness, right? The strong lion, there's honey out of his mouth. They couldn't answer that question. So they pressured Samson's wife. So she cries to her husband. It was a game. He knew this was happening. And he goes out and he tells her the answer to the riddle. Now, end of the week, they come back. Okay, we know the answer. It's a lion and the honey and the bees. So Samson says, oh, you cheated. So Samson goes into the street, kills 30 Philistines, takes off their clothes, and says, okay, here you go. And he sends his wife back to her father. Back to her father. A little while later, Samson uh, um, goes back for his wife and finds out that her father-in-law gave her away to another guy. Samson's furious. He took my wife. He takes the foxtails, and he, um, and he, um, he ties fire between them and sends them through the fields, burning the fields. Um... The Philistines go to the Jews. They say, you got to give us this Samson. we we got to have this guy. He's crazy. Like, look what he did to our fields. So the rabbis don't want to start up, so they, they officially arrest Samson. They tie him up. Samson uh, comes back. Now, interesting, every time Samson gets strong, it says there was the Spirit of God on him. Right? So there's a lot of things happening over here. I'm just trying to give you a little bit of a picture. Um, they bring him in. The Samson's with all those uh, Philistines, he gets hit, the spirit of God comes on, he rips the ropes, he gets a donkey's jawbone, and he kills a whole bunch of, of uh, Philistines. Stories continue, they find out he's in a village, and, and, they, um, and they surround the city, and at night he picks up the gates and he puts them on a mountain. And as he's doing all these feats of strength, and he's starting up with the Philistines, and he's killing the Philistines, but what he's accomplishing is he's doing it by himself. So that the Philistines can't start terrorizing the Jews. The Jews say, crazy man, you can have him. We brought him to you. What do you, what do you want from our lives? We, we, we can't deal with him. You deal with him. Eventually, and we get to the story of Delilah. He marri- or Delilah, he marries Delilah. And again, the Phil- again, she's a Philistine lady. And the Philistines come to her. You got to tell us his strength. You got to tell us. And they make up stories. He, he says, time with seven ropes and seven wet ropes and put seven bowls in my hair. And eventually, Delilah wears him down, and he says, it's my hair. You cut off my hair, I lose my strength. So she cuts off his hair. The Philistines capture him. They poke out his eye, and now they bring him to the, um, to the theater, and there's these pillars they put him in between, and there's thousands of people on the roof and in the stadium and yelling, right, because the Philistines were petrified of this guy. So they finally captured him. So now they're showing him off. 
So finally, Samson says, with all the yelling and screaming, and he's tied to the pillar, he says, God, for the reward of one eye, give me my strength back one more time. He says, Herod started going back. And he gets his strength, he topples the pillars, and it kills tens of thousands of Philistines. And what's fascinating is, from that point on, for like the next 40 years, the Philistines were afraid of the ghost of Samson. So he's a one-man wrecking crew. He's, he, he's protecting the Jewish people without the Jewish people getting in trouble. He had a singular focus, what we started with. He had a singular focus to protect the Jewish people. And he was going to do it by completely taking the responsibility on his own shoulders. And he had very large shoulders, right? He's going he's gonna to take that responsibility that he's fighting, not to blame the Jewish people, a singular focus on protecting the Jewish people. I got to do some sins along the way. That's what God wants me to do. That is what Samson was looking to accomplish. But you see what happens when you have a singular focus to go ahead and what you can accomplish. And again, as always, my music is playing. I hope you enjoyed it. Short and sweet. We had fun this week. Both segments were just Torah. Thank you to our wonderful sponsors and listeners. You know I couldn't do it without you. Thank you again to my wonderful production team. We have David and Angel in the back. I hope I've left you some food for thought. Until next time, I am Rabbi C. Jacobson. You've been listening to Let's Talk Torah and NRM Streamcast. And until next week, don't forget to think about it. Gonna make